You're listening to the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast. Join us on Discord. Bit Nerd Church Podcast. I'm Jamin. And I'm Tyler. And uh, today we are talking about low-key or open theism versus free will versus <laughs> determinism. Determinism <laughs> versus science and spirituality. And liberalism. And li- liberalism. Liberalism is it's philosophy. Like it's liberalism versus determinism. Okay. Alright. Well, <laughs> Whatever the case may be, <laughs> I've uh, I've actually both written on this topic a lot over the years and preached on it over the years, and I am excited to be able to have nerd media give us the space to be able to just hop full force into it. But before we do that, maybe we start with, um, you know, Loki in general. Like the actual show? Yeah, so... <laughs> Two things. A, a quick synopsis if you haven't seen it, with B, a spoiler alert that oh, yeah. don't keep listening to us if you haven't seen it and aren't going to watch or yeah. are going to watch it. I mean, so I'm going to spoil it all right now. Uh, he Who Remains, man. He Who Remains is actually Kang the Conqueror, and uh, yeah, we're going to get some multiverse action and... And uh, Multiverse of Madness with Doctor Strange. And so I'm super excited. I'm, I'm pumped for that. All that, the Scarlet Witch stuff with WandaVision and all that that's going on. I'm just so excited. But in this series, uh, we see Loki um, just after Endgame. So in Endgame, if you remember, Loki had uh, the Tesseract and was going to... He like popped away and like jumped away to another, to- uh, to another time or space or something. But he ends up somewhere else in this desert, and immediately he goes on his Loki spree of uh, trying to subjugate people below him because uh, he has glorious purpose. Um, and so his he believes his glorious purpose is to be king, to rule over people because uh, other people can't control themselves and make decisions, so he should be in charge because he has the best ideas. Very narcissistic. Uh, but we get to see that Loki, the one... Uh, just after the Avengers attack that still probably wasn't, you know, reformed and loving of all of his uh, friends, goes into this place called the TVA, where he learns about the uh, the flow of time and how it's kind of cyclical right now. And there's a there's a sacred time stream. and Which is super portal-ish. You're, you ever <laughs> played Portal? I, I have seen it, never played it. Okay, Portal is one of my favorite puzzle games of all time. But, like, Portal is... What would we call it? It's 1950s-ish or... I don't know. Just like... You got the old shag carpet. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. The place just looks like it was a hippie... Like back in the hippie kind of days. Portal's the same like... Advanced technology way before it should have... Or like Bioshock. Things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the aesthetic of like... Yeah, Bioshock's a little more steampunk. But this was just like... Oh, the future in the 1950s. Exactly, and yeah. And so I was, I love that feel to it, yeah. Oh, for sure. So we get to the learning about the sacred timeline and how this Loki, since, you know, our Loki from the previous timeline, the whole, the sacred timeline that's supposed to be there, 
he actually was supposed to die at the hands of Thanos. So this whole exchange where he doesn't becomes a problem. He becomes a variant. And we find out that there are millions of variants, infinite amount of var variants. It literally could not stop being variants. Um, and they're the timekeepers, the TVA, are there to protect this sacred timeline from the variants so that they don't create another multiversal war. And this is the backdrop to the entire show. So we end up actually seeing, and I'm going aliens here because it's basically the entire show is just aliens. <laughs> uh, and except it's variants. And so these variants, we end up chasing another Loki because uh, Detective Owen Wilson's on the case. And uh, his name is Mobius. And Mobius is looking for this other variant, Loki, that's just causing a bunch of problems, right? So he ends up finding this Loki, and lo and behold, it's girl Loki. Dun, dun, dun! So uh, we're wondering, like, oh, it's, is this actually Loki? Is this going to be Enchantress? Because in the comics, you know, there's a, well, there's a person called Enchantress. She enchants people, but I guess they're kind of pulling the two together. Because she doesn't and, chant. That's like her Yeah, thing. she's like an enchanter. However, she's also a Loki. So, and her name is Sylvie. So we actually get this awesome experience from the entire thing of playing with different variants and having fun with different Lokis and stuff like that. But Loki, our Loki, ends up uh, traveling with Sylvie and leaving the TVA behind. Uh, this ends up setting up a lot of different things and setting off a lot of different problems that the TVA is going to have to fix. But Loki and Sylvie end up getting into a lot of trouble together. It's it's a whole lot of fun. But they also fall in love with themselves, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I think Owen Wilson's line on that whole area. Because you're watching, you're like, are they falling for each other? Like, they are the same person. You know? <laughs> and when so you finally weird. get to Owen Wilson, he's like, wow, you've... You fell in love with just what kind of narcissist <laughs> <laughs> finds the female version of themselves and just falls right in love with them. You truly are oh. the, the biggest narcissist I know. And yeah, they kind of keep that. It becomes more and more obvious. But by the end, they just like fully put it out. They're like, okay. I guess this is normal. <laughs> yeah, know, like, they, I don't even know what to do with this one. They just love each other and they're themselves, kind of. So, you know, take that as you will. I'm just curious. <laughs> if you had a child, would it just be you? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't want to ask the question <laughs> I don't yet. Wanna, if there's any scientists watching or listening right now. <laughs> it depends on their DNA, if right? If two clones. If it's the same. Yeah, I guess it probably just... Okay, moving on, moving on. It'd be like... It'd either be you or it just wouldn't work well, at it, all. Well, it would be like incest. Well, yeah, but it'd be like 100%. Which is where you're like... Well, it could not be because, you know, geez. male and female's already switched. And yeah, okay. hair color's right. already switched. And All right. Okay. Well, there. We've answered our so. science questions of the... <laughs> inappropriate <laughs> science questions of the day. <laughs> Moving <Okay>. on. So... <laughs> um... We eventually get to, because uh, I'll kind of skip a lot of the in-between stuff. There's a lot of other things they're setting up for other movies and just other people, um, including like Renslayer and a bunch of other people from the TVA timeline of like the comics and stuff like that, which is really cool. But Loki and Sylvie end up making it to the timekeepers, these people that are overseeing the TVA, and they kill them. But they weren't actually in charge. Gotcha. 
Instead, they're sent, they're both end up sent to the void, this space at the end of time where, uh, where some beast, a celestial kind of being, he's not actually a celestial in the Marvel Universe sense, but like this kind of like essence of like death. And it's just nothing can stop it. No man-made power, no um, like Tony Stark tech could just shoot it and kill it. Instead, they have to, they try to devise a plan and you meet a bunch of other Lokis. There's Alligator Loki, which is probably <laughs> one of my favorites. You get a Frog Gator Thor Key. reference. Oh yeah, there was a, yeah. Because um, that's actually a comic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frog, Frog Thor. Thor, yeah. There's actually all the Marvel characters get turned into animals. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at like in a, in a different universe, so that's always possible. Um, there's uh, Kid Loki, Young Key, uh, which killed Thor um, oh. when they were kids. Like the whole snake story from Ragnarok. Oh. Um, he's all like, he turned into a snake and tried to, in like, you knew I hated snakes. Kind of, you, you knew, <laughs> no, he said, you know I love snakes. Um, and so yeah, there's uh, Old Key, Old Key, which is uh, classic Loki. Um, from the, like from the original comics, like that's it how he explains why his uniform looks like it's made out of like old school Batman and Robin, <laughs> like nylon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure that out. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, it's classic Loki, and he looks fantastic. Uh, he was perfect as classic Loki. I kind of want him to come back at some point somehow. It's time. It's multiverse now, so yeah. you know it could. And uh, we'll have Tony Stark by the end of next year, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this, is the, this is the problem with sci fi nothing ever matters in the end. <laughs> but he sacrifices himself, uh, classic Loki does, and uh, gives enough time for uh, Loki and Sylvie to be able to actually um, use their powers to enchant the uh, weird spiritual ghost of death. Gort. Dog, guardian, guardian dogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forget what they called it, but uh, it's an actual comic book reference too, so it all fits there. They end up enchanting it, and they get to see this space at the end of time where there's a mansion on a rock. They go inside the mansion to find he who remains. He's the last person at the end of time, and he's a reincarnation, not a reincarnation. He's a descendant of Reed Richards, uh, most likely, um, known as Kang the Conqueror, known as uh, a bunch of different names. I mean, Immortus, um, everything. You, you could literally get, like, a, there's a ton of them. Um, and if you don't know that guy, his quick backstory is he's basically a s- scientific genius who yep. cracked the multiverse f- before everyone else. But he's a scientific genius in many multiverses. So they all kind of cracked the multiverse, and now they're all fighting against each other because some of them are good, some of them are bad, but they're all like geniuses who. Technically, that was the way they made it look to me. I don't know if that's technically Iron Man was the first one to crack the idea of multiverse, and he discusses that in Endgame through a different, um, some different like conversations, um, and in the timeline as it is, if it's just a straight line. Um, Iron Man would come before this guy because he's from the future. He's from like 25 something. A long time. And uh, I actually, my theory, because we don't know if he's actually related to Reed Richards who would be Mr. Fantastic yet or if they're going to do something like Iron, he's going to be like a relative of Iron Man because they specifically set up Iron Man having a daughter in Endgame. 
that's true. So I feel like we're going. He's like Kang is going to be a descendant of Iron Man, and that'd be so cool. Because then Iron Man was the first person to time travel. He then becomes the like successor to his father's work or his great grandfather's work or something similar. Um, so I thought that would be a cool theory from myself of, uh, he, who is he who remains Kang the Conqueror. Um, they even make a reference where he's like, they call me many names, something Conqueror. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> Kang the Conqueror, cool. And then, uh, we get to finally see after Sylvie and Loki fight over, uh, whether or not they're going to kill him or allow him to just continue to run this sacred timeline, uh, Sylvie's entire plan was to kill him, was to take him out and stop the entire uh, cycle from happening to not allow the TVA and this person to control people's lives, but let them have this freedom. Um, and we'll get more into that in a second. But uh, she decides to kill him and send Loki back to a different area. He thinks he's in the TVA, but just like Planet of the Apes. He sees Kang's statue as Kang the Conqueror inside the TVA. And that's where we're left. <laughs> you blew it up! <laughs> and they're standing in a place that one of our own nerd churchians has been. Oh, yeah, yeah. TVA apparently is just a hotel in, like, Miami or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or at least the big scenes with the library and whatnot. Yeah, so... Um, I guess this is part where we get into some of like the philosophy and theology behind it because it's it's an interesting way in which they phrase it. They're they're dealing with the question to some extent. They're dealing with the question of God and does He make bad things happen to us? You know, like they don't explicitly go there, of course, but the questions that they're essentially they ask. Kang or whatever his name is in the show. Um, they keep getting into like all these, so you made all this happen? You know, that was my life. You did that to me just so that you, you could have all these other things happen. And, and so there's these like ultimate questions there where they're viewing as like a bad guy, good guy. My life didn't matter or it did matter. You know, all these different things. So uh, eventually we'll get to this kind of question of free will and God and and all that. But before we go right there, let's just quickly start with multiverse. Because <laughs> uh, multiverse in general, like, we usually look at it as science fiction because that's purely the only thing that we really have it as. Yeah. But there is... Some scientists have embraced the idea before. Um, honestly, when they're describing it, it sounds a whole lot more like philosophy than it does. It's, yeah, like it's string theory. Science. So, yeah, it's more of a philosophy. Well, I remember reading one book. I think it was Brian Greene, and he's a scientist, but he seems to have made his living off of studying the weird science proposals. And so, okay, he gets into multiverse a lot, and like one big proponent to the possibility of multiverse is the idea that. There's some radiation we see in space that can could be explained through a multiverse theory. And I'm not a scientist, so I don't know how to explain that well right now. But they see that and like, okay, if we put multiverse into this, it would explain the radiation type thing. Sure. Um, but then there's also different kinds of radiation or, or radiation. Different kinds of multiverse theory. Is it like dimensional or is it 
the one that makes more sense to me if it did exist is like our universe exists you know so like we could go beyond the wall of our galaxy and we mm-hmm. would enter into like a further part of the universe what happens when you get to the end of the universe say that's all in a bubble you pop out of the bubble and then you look around and there's just more bubbles everywhere like oh there's way more universes than this one so the whole idea behind multiverses let's say that happened infinitely if I have 52 cards and I I gave them out a million times at some point I dealt 52 cards exactly the same way mm-hmm. you know uh, or like it was almost exactly the same but there's a few different cards in that deck and so the idea behind multiverse is more or less like <laughs> if you had infinite universes the cards have been dealt sometimes they're a little different sometimes they're exactly the same and if it could happen infinitely there you go which to me i would say is gibberish but at the same time i mean there's a certain scientific sensicalness to yeah. it, you know? So, like, one of the things that I think about, especially when I think of multiverse, um, is the limits to our own universe. Like, uh, people ask, like, is our universe infinite? Could we go on forever? Instead of there being mul- uh, multiple universes where it's a multiverse, right? Um, it's spread out and we have multiple bubbles, as you were saying, and we can, like, somehow interact with them in some way um instead what if it was an infinite universe and the reason why we know people don't believe in an infinite universe anymore we believe there's infinite expansion of the universe but there potentially infinite expansion of the universe that uh we know that it's not infinite though the reason why we know it's not infinite is because if it was infinite there'd be an infinite amount of planets an infinite amount of suns an infinite amount of asteroids and there'd literally be no way to like for planets to exist because they'd all be on top of each other yeah because there'd be so many of them well if it was dimensional in that sense you know then they'd all be on top of each other if it was like bubbles (laughs) well that's multiverse i'm saying like in our universe, yeah, we know it's not an infinite universe, right? Based off of there not being, which is why I always think it's constants. funny in our science fiction when people are like, "Oh, I'm just gonna hop over this multiverse as though I walk through a dimensional door." I'm like, "No, here's our universe, and trillions, quadrillions of miles over here is essentially where you would be like, oh, I'm gonna yeah. hop a few quadrillion miles." Like, you know, from a scientific perspective of multiverse. That's because from their perspective of multiverse, it's actually, and I think there's there's a scientific as well, it's that all of our, all of our realities exist on top of each other. Yeah, that would be another multiverse theory. There's a few of them, which is why it gets confusing as to which one anyone's ever talking about. And this one's talking more about that, the laying on top of each other, because then it splits off. Yeah. And creates more splits and splits and splits and splits. Hmm. Um, so they're laying on top of each other kind of a thing. And like the things you do in the past can affect the things that happen. But like it's so complicated. It's time, time stuff. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where uh, I always, whenever I'm talking about free will and God and omniscience, I usually start with the conversation on multiverse. Because for me, I am a open theist of sorts. Uh, open theism, like many doctrines, has a few different like var- variants. 
in it, if you will, that people end up in. So I don't like being pigeonholed exactly in, in that idea. But for me, I think of God's omniscience as multiverse theory. In the extent that, like, life could go differently. Mm-hmm. This morning I could have woke up and had cereal instead of a bagel. You know, like, I could have done a hundred different things. Would I have woken up and just eaten screws? No, you know, like potentially in a multiverse, <laughs> I guess there's a robot Jamin eating screws. I don't know, um, but uh, uh, with with the multiverse idea that we like to paint in science fiction, the idea is that like your life could have so many variations to it that there's a Jamin somewhere who was very similar to me, but made one different choice, and he's not a pastor because of that, you know? There's a Jamin somewhere that, uh, I don't know, got a different relationship. There's a Jamin somewhere who did A, B, C. You know, you just insert any different... There's a girl Jamin. Girl key, you know? (laughs) Low key. Girlman. Girlman. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's all these different variations out there. Um, And for me, when I think of God's omniscience, I think, like, we believe that God knows all things. Mm-hmm. Why can't we think of God knowing all things in that way? That like, let's say a multiverse did exist. Is God only smart enough to know just our universe? No, because we would say he's omniscient. He knows all universes, you know. And so I'm not saying that there is multiverse or anything like that. I'm saying that's the analogy I like to think of how God knows all things. And I think you see glimpses of that in the Bible where he... Uh, Michael Heiser points out the one story with David where David goes and prays and he's like, all right, God, should I uh, stay here or go somewhere? I can't remember the explicit story. But God's like, if you stay here, Saul will take you, you know. And if you go, he won't. And it's like right there was an option Mm -hmm. where God knew both routes. Like if you stay here, yeah. He's going to come. He's going to get you. And if you go, you, that won't happen, you know. And the, the difficulty with ever talking about this kind of stuff is the response you could give to literally any example I give is, yeah, but God knew that David was going to ask and then that he would tell David and that David would make the choice that God wanted him to make. You know, you can never go against that yeah. kind of there's just there's no no beating that well i that think that there's a way to like meet that in the middle and as that's always been my position especially when i was looking through philosophy and having the question of determinism versus liberalism which is free will versus predestination um i was sitting there in class and we were talking about it and i was like it's like it, it's both like we can all agree like it's no. both, right? Like, like, I, like we were talking about how there are things that you do in life that are pretty everyday. Like, I don't have to make it super complex. I can bring it down to a very simple situation. You have the free will to do a lot of things and you have a lot of control over your own life. First, you cannot free will yourself to fly. No matter how hard you try, you cannot free will yourself to just start flying. I read a book once, or apparently in the Garden of Eden, we used to be able to fly. Cool. <laughs> I'm up for it. Uh, like, man, charismatics get away with saying whatever they want. It's just, <laughs> of course we did. Didn't you know that? <laughs> Why would we? Why would we? In God's universe that he's created with gravity that keep people attached to the ground. Why would we fly? 
But um, uh, another situation where you you don't have complete control is like when you're crossing a street. You have the free will to walk from one side to the other. However, you're kind of going to be destined to get hit if you don't look both ways before you go. That's on you. It's something that like you can't control if a bus turns a corner and you didn't see it. You had no control. That was literally out of your control. Nothing you could have done could have prepared you for you getting hit because something you didn't see. So there's both there. There's this idea of um, this this free will, this this uh, ability of like that we have some control over our lives, which I think you have to have for the Bible to make any sense to me. If you can't give your life to Jesus, if Jesus makes you give your life to Jesus, you know what I mean? Like you can't. You literally can't. You have no control then. You get, everything is out of your control and left to just whatever God would have for you. Yeah, and I think the Bible likes to do this like mid-level thing where it, it is trying to be clear about God's sovereignty mm-hmm. while at the same time showing us that we have decisions to make. You know, like so for example, giving your life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. On one side of that conversation are these parables and stories and verses about how Jesus picks you. You don't pick him, you know, like he's going to speak out a parable and the Holy Spirit's going to translate it for some and other people are, are like not going to get it at all. And the idea is like the Holy Spirit's opening some people's ears cause they're, you know, their ears, I guess should be open. You know, like that, that story for me shows like a, is the gospel on the table for everybody? Absolutely. But God is also in control as to like who's going to come to him. And Jesus has these weird, <laughs> that same parable where Jesus is like, I speak in riddles so that some people won't hear, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, and the whole idea is like, I'm, I'm choosing who gets in and who doesn't. But at the same time, I'm also like, I imagine it's a mix of free will. Who is the Holy Spirit opening people's ears? It's the ones who are pursuing Jesus. There are some people there who are want to see a miracle. There's some people who just want brother or sister themselves to get healed. Some people who just want to see the guy make 5,000 people eat bread again somehow, you know. <laughs> and then there's some people who are like literally here because this is the Messiah and they're interested and they want to learn more. That right there is free will, you know. But then there's also the sovereignty of God like I'm choosing out of these who are interested, you know, to come forth. Predestination. Uh, Jeremiah was predestined to be a prophet. I before you were born, I chose you to to be a prophet. You know, like, but did that mean that like everything Jeremiah everything did life. was therefore predestined? <laughs> no, but there was predestination there. You know, like you were predestined before you were ever born that you would be a prophet, and and there's plenty of other like Jesus. Jesus was predestined in the sense that before the foundation of the world that plan was set in place you know so like (laughs) but does that mean everything went exactly as perfectly as you'd want even for jesus it doesn't go how he wants when he say yeah because there's how many times does he tell people all right i know i just healed you shut up about it and the idea in my opinion is like if you talk about it this place is going to get crazy and i'm going to have to leave and i can't do as much as i want to do because that's Mm -hmm. what happens every time people talk about it and how many times do they go and talk about it and he has to leave prematurely? Like that's 
That's Jesus operating with the sovereignty of God and the free will of people all at the same time. Where it's going as God plans and yet at the same time God's writing new trajectory. Okay, well let's go to the next place, you know, like so you see it all at play in one spot, I guess. Yeah, I feel like there's moments also, especially with like, you know, Jonah, who's all like uh I'm supposed to go there? <laughs> uh no. No, I, I don't I don't wanna do that. You throw me in the ocean. Yeah. Um and God's literally like, dude, like this this is happening. You're like, you can't get out of it. But it was still moments like he could fight it. Like, and God had to literally intervene (laughs) to get this guy where he needed to be. Right. The ocean was not like a, (laughs) I love that. Like they pull straws and Jonah's not like, I'll repent and pray and the storm will stop. He's like, just chuck me off the ship. I'm not going to Nineveh. And then while he's drowning, then he's like, okay, I don't want to die. Yeah. Uh, I, I I guess I didn't want this as much as I thought. Yeah. Um, save me? Whale. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a... Big that's fish. <laughs> dra- chaos dragon. Chaos dragon. I think that's actually supposed to be uh, identified as Sheol itself, as a like spiritual being. Jonah even talks about like Sheol like, eating him up. So I think it's supposed to be like a chaos dragon ate him and spit him out. Death itself, shield ate him and spit him out. It, so, in it, other words, <laughs> the twist is that he died, and then yeah, well, <laughs> okay. Well, Jesus later is death is like Jonah. He'll be in the belly yeah. of the earth for three days, and then he'll come back. You know, it's like, anyways, we digress. Cool stories to tell. <laughs> Jonah is a good example, though, right? Yeah. It's the free will of God has predestined or appointed him. You're gonna tell Nineveh. Jonah to the bitter end is like, no, I'm not. And Jonah does eventually cave. But I think God could foresee like another another path where it's like, wow, he really pushed us to yeah. the end, didn't he? <laughs> he really I guess, where's one of my other prophets? <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like God, when he appoints people and he like sets them up, I feel often in those moments, it's not a sense of like, like he is forcing because there's a lot of times where i feel like if if god is putting force into all of your decisions your decisions become useless and that's kind of how it is in loki too is where like what's the point of me doing things if you have control of all my actions Mm -hmm. so like there is a point where like god is more like a thing that you have no you have no ability to stop what god can do but God isn't always controlling you. Yeah. And I think it's clear from the very beginning of the Bible that he doesn't want to. Yeah. You know, the whole yeah. point that humanity was made was to co-labor with him mm-hmm. and to make everything, you know, like we make choices on, on how to carry out his will on the earth and make it look like heaven. And if he was interested in it going perfectly, he would have made robots from the beginning. Yeah. Like, why not? If all you wanted was the earth to be perfect and look like heaven, make robots. <laughs> don't add any kind of possibility of sin or anything like that into the world. Just make robots. And he clearly doesn't. He makes something that is much more stubborn and uh, is willing to go its own route. And, you know, he he then shows examples of his own kind of like 
looking at the free will of humans and yeah. is startled sometimes, which is confusing passages, you know, like the flood. He looks at humanity and he regrets making them. <laughs> You're like, regret? God regrets something. What? Or, or with Saul, he appoints Saul as king and then regrets having ever made Saul king. Uh, and you have these other stories where uh, free will gets in the way of like God's plan as well. Like he turns, um, he turns Israel over to uh, to exile mm-hmm. as a punishment. And then there's like a prophetic word. I think it's out of Zechariah where God essentially is like. Uh, they made this punishment much harder than it was supposed to be type thing. Like, oh, you know, like yeah. exile was so much worse, not because God necessarily was like, yeah, make it worse and worse. <laughs> it's because like, oh, wow, their free will, Babylon was way more severe than like I wanted them to be as like punishment. So even God's like punishment in that case was like a turning you, like he removes his protection, you yeah. know? And it's like, okay, now I'm turning you over to how the free will of these people is like, oh, the free will of those people was enacted more severely than, you know, <laughs> than I expected it would go about. Not that he didn't see that it could go that way. For sure. Simply that, like, oh, look at that. They, they've they gone a more severe way. Or I think the most interesting passage of free will in the Bible, there's a story where the kings of Israel want to come together to fight. I think it's Moab. And so they go to Elisha, the prophet, and they're like, give us a word so that we can like figure out, like, is God with us if we go to war? Elisha listens to God, and God gives him a bunch of signs. This will happen, this will happen, this will happen, and you can know that these things are happening as proof that you will win the war. Mm-hmm. They then go to war, and they lose. <laughs> and you're like, what do I even do with like a prophet... All the signs were in place. Like, what what happened? Now, I think the answer is, like, free will derailed it. One, the king of Moab sacrificed his son in front of everybody as a way to, like, awaken his god or something. Shamosh, who was used to child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And then it said that wrath came on Israel. So it's almost like someone did something super, super dark in attempts to, like, fight the war back. But is that why Israel lost, or did they lose because they freaked out and left at that point? I would say they freaked out and left because God had. It's not like God couldn't have won that war. Yeah. It's not like child sacrifice was stronger than God, you know? But that story right there is like free will of Moab, free will of Israel, free will of Elisha and God, and all working together to paint a story one way and then biblically it goes the other. And the Bible never explains why because I think it's it's trying to show you. Like, yeah. life is not as simple as we always think it is. <laughs> I think that a lot of the time uh, when people are talking about free will and predestination, all that kind of stuff, um, they're often using the philosophical argument of can God lift a boulder that's so big like that, that he made that's unliftable. Right, it's the same question, and it's like, does God exist within time? Um, the answer to those questions for me, and the way that I've kind of answered everything in that realm, comes from if God created it to be a certain way, there's a good probability that it He exists within that logic, right? So, like, if He created time, 
there's a good chance that he exists within time and allows for himself to be within time. So when we see like things like I regret doing, I regret doing like creating humans, uh, it's he's in time, so he can regret it because it did happen in the past for him, right? And there's things like that where you can you can argue uh, different ways, but the, the the thing is, if God created a boulder so big that even he couldn't lift, cool, he couldn't lift it unless he decided that his physics were different, right? He creates physics, he creates science, he creates all these different things as not like limiters to his power, which a lot of people are all like, he's just limiting his power. No, he created a universe with rules, with, a, with like, you can't just start flying as a human. Apparently we might have been able to. <laughs> but you can't just take off flying. It's a cool idea, uh, but it's not something that God had ever intended uh, for humans to be able to just take off. So, At least yet. Yet. <laughs> I am hopeful in the resurrection that maybe. Didn't, didn't they say a lot of the time that Jesus like steps places though? Well, yeah. Well, at least Jesus ascends into heaven in the resurrected body. And so I have a question. Was that because God pulled him up? Or is that something the resurrected body can do is just cross over between heaven and earth? I wonder if he just literally walked up a mountain. Maybe. Some also say that like heaven, N.T. Wright always talks about heaven as being, it sounds like a uh, multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> that heaven is like here next to yeah. us and that if you could just cross over the dimension more, which is not how N.T. Wright says it, but it sounds like sci-fi dimension-esque type thing. So Jesus just crossing through the veil between the two. Contextually, the Bible writers would have thought of the heavens as the sky, <laughs> so... I don't think so. Well, yeah, it depends if it was different by New Testament times or not. Um, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... No, they knew. Uh, so by the time the New Testament rolls around, they actually knew um, the distance to the sun. Oh, really? Yeah, they knew how, like, almost within, like, a few hundred miles. <laughs> so they knew uh, about the Earth, not e they knew that the Earth wasn't round, was round, I think, as well. Yeah, well, they still use a lot of the heavenly language that the Old Testament did, but we also know that they were mm -hmm. a bit further, just like we use biblical language today, even though we know that, like, the Earth's not flat. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, that that actually what you were just saying that's the entire title behind a series i preached during covid and then a book i wrote on it god's grand framework mm -hmm. the whole point of that title was to say god has created the world to work in such a way it's its own framework and he doesn't necessarily though he can he doesn't necessarily just violate his framework to do whatever he wants to do <laughs> right and free will is a whole chapter in that because I'm like, this is his framework because he built free will. And yeah, he can manipulate and use people's free will. And even like with Pharaoh, Pharaoh continually gets hardened against God. Mm -hmm. um, and we look at that, we're like, oh God, you just kept making him, like you didn't give him a chance. I think God, I think it's Michael Heiser again says this well, is that um, Pharaoh... Pharaoh was already prejudged. Pharaoh had already messed up enough that God's like, no, he's going down. Mm -hmm. And so, like, as a part of the story, it's like, Pharaoh, here's a chance. 
and then God hardens his heart as like a, but I'm also not <laughs> fully giving that to you because I've already decided that you've done too much damage, you know. And there's this like, God's using that to tell a better story for Israel about the freedom from slavery and him overthrowing oppressors and things like that. So like there, stories like that, we get this feeling like, oh, he doesn't really have free will. Pharaoh doesn't have free will. But it's actually like, no, he's he's still the one hardening his heart, but also God's like, creating scenarios to like ensure that he doesn't repent which is kind of this weird thing in the new testament too with jesus just like i don't want the wrong people to repent (laughs) but you're like what do you yes you do don't you isn't that what it's all about it's like yes and no you know peter makes it clear god hasn't come jesus hasn't returned yet because he wants more to be saved but the bible also leaves sovereignty in god's hand as to who gets saved and recognizes that some people like are not at the point where they should be walking into salvation because their lives just don't Mm -hmm. don't match what god would call and god calls everyone and at the same time is (laughs) paying attention you know it's we we constantly come into this weird like back and forth and like some people always want to just go it's all sovereignty some people want to go it's all free will and i'm like it's all Mm -hmm. both you know like uh, well, God would have his own free will in that sense, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, other people are saying, like, you know, it's all, you know, determinism. It's all liberalism. The problem is, if there is free will, then God would also have free will and a lot more power than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, uh, if he has this power to, like, change lives, the heart and hearts, all these different things that we hear to, like, literally ascend you know like he can fly (laughs) um so with that idea uh, there it's like yes but he is determining things for you at times so like just how the bus could hit you god could pick you up and make you fly in all like reality god created a world where you physically cannot make yourself fly Mm-hmm. But God is also more powerful than us, and obviously Jesus flew, so God could make you fly, is what I'm saying. And C.S. Lewis talks about <laughs> miracles more or less being like the breaking of rules as we know it. Yeah. Right? You know, so that would be essentially what we would call a miracle. It's like, oh, the passage of everything we understand was broken for a moment um, because God decided it should be healing. Someone shouldn't just heal themselves but god breaks Mm -hmm. that moment of science and it's not even really not science it's just like the god shifting the way things you know yeah it's hard to explain well philosophically god's imposing his will on you essentially yeah healing you but it's a good thing i mean i would like the will of god to impose healing on my life (laughs) so you know (laughs) well and that that maybe brings us to another question because this is one of the things that I've struggled with in the past was uh, in the resurrection life we don't sin anymore Mm -hmm. and so like for a long time I had to figure that out like why how is that the absence of free will if this entire spiritual age on the earth right now is that we had free will and we keep following sin Mm -hmm. God taking away sin in the resurrection life like, does that mean he's taking away our free will? Because we all know just how, how, like, tainted we are with sin. How we keep turning to it over and over again. So, like, 
how does that work? And I, I finally found an answer that I'm good with, but do you want to speak into that first? Uh, sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't feel like just because you no longer have the ability, I mean, do you have the ability is the, the thing like we won't sin, mm-hmm. but do, will we have the ability to? I think so. I think we would still have the ability to do it. I just think that we've all accepted Jesus fully. We've all accepted God fully, that there's no... It's like if Adam and Eve literally knew what would happen after they took the apple. We literally know what would happen. I don't want that to happen again, guys. Like, this world's not fun. Death isn't great. Let's uh, let's never do that again, okay, guys? Like, yeah, we, that would strengthen your. I put my hand on a hot stove. Yeah, I know. I'm not doing that again. That was stupid. So, and uh, you know, we're we have very short lifespans compared to the universe. So, uh, an infinite you know amount of time with God, where we don't decide to do things against Him, it's cool with me. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I think it was. Uh, um, in Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson, he talks about the cosmic calendar, that if the beginning of time started in January and right now was December of a whole year, we've been on the calendar for like a few seconds. <laughs> Just humanity. And so, yeah, time time is long. <laughs> um, but for one of the things that I realized was right now I have the free will to choose Jesus Mm-hmm. And ask, would you make me new and better? And would you please take away sin from my life? You know, like that's part of the gospel is like, free me from sin. Yeah. And so with my free will, in a time where I could choose sin, I'm literally going to Jesus and saying, I don't want it. Please take it. And the resurrection life is Jesus honoring that is where we become so much like Jesus. We put on a new resurrected body that is both spiritual and physical which reminds me of angels throughout the Bible that could manifest in mm. in like person, but also could you know cross back and forth type thing. I'm just excited. Whatever the resurrection body is like, it's like those weird stories Jesus did after he's resurrected. No one recognizes him, but they also kind of recognize him. But he also can just vanish in front of you and walk through walls. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, do we get? A, are we all superheroes in the resurrection? Um, but at the same time. Uh, we become like Jesus in the sense that the Holy Spirit is freeing us of sin now, putting the old ways to death and helping us live by the new ways of life. And in the resurrection, it does that fully and completely to the point that, like, the Bible says you're not going to be able to really distinguish the difference between Jesus himself and his people, mm-hmm. you know. And so, to me, that that isn't the absence of free will. That's my free will right now saying, yeah, I see the life you're offering. I want that. Mm-hmm. And him giving it to me. And in that life, sin is no longer a problem. And it's not that I'm not choosing it anymore. It's that I'm looking back and saying, yeah, I asked that to go away. And God took it. Just like people pray all the time. Like, God, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm sorry I've sinned in this way for the millionth time. Would you take it from me? The resurrection is that answer. Yes, I will. <laughs> you know, He will do it now, but he also will do it to the extreme later. Um, and I think... N.T. Wright points out one possibility that it's the only thing I've heard that makes this passage in Revelation pop to me. It's this weird part in Revelation after Armageddon where like all of Satan's forces fight against God's forces. Satan loses 
but then Satan's permitted to live for like a thousand years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why is he still here after that? And uh, in the meantime, it seems like the resurrected Christians like kind of move into New Jerusalem type thing. And uh, Satan tries to raise up another army to come to them. And during that time, you never see the resurrected Christians like go to join or leave New Jerusalem as Satan's like rounding at whoever is on the outside up as much as he can. And N.T. writes like, maybe, maybe this is an example of God giving us the space in the resurrected life to say, sin is still available. Do you want it? There's a thousand years you could go. And then over that thousand years, no one does. And you're like, oh, I'm like, yes, that's <laughs> like, there's an example of free will within the resurrected life for you is just, you can still have it. You want it? And like you were saying, like, I put my hand on the burning stove once. I'm not doing it again. And all resurrected Christians be like, we lived in that world before. We're not going back, you know? Yeah. And like that to me is like, if that is what Revelation is partially trying to say, what a beautiful, yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful way to say like we didn't turn you into robots. We proved for a thousand years that you you are this way now, and and you're fine with it. Like so. I would say that when Jesus came to Earth and was here walking among us, he had the ability to sin. Oh yeah, right. So like, but we know that Jesus is perfect. He's God. So he's one hundred percent God, one hundred percent man at that point. But one hundred percent tempted the whole way, exactly. from beginning to end. Exactly. So if he has the ability to sin, that's where for me, we still have the ability. It's mm. it's something that we could always do, but why would any of us want that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think all that pain, and you know, people. I think part of the reason that we all just start with like God's written the book only one way is because of the book of Revelation it's like Mm. hey it's the end first off two things it's not because eternity comes after that (laughs) so like there's a trillion quadrillion more years to come beyond that but like two um, Revelation you know the the prophets called Jesus called in what Jesus was going to do, and Jesus still had to work with our free will. Yeah, I would say with Revelation, God's painting here's what's to come, and when it comes, you'll probably still have like God. Well, that's hard to say because Jesus is then coming in in fullness of his godhood. Right, he's leaving the throne and coming to earth, but he'll still have to deal with humanity. Okay, so here let me phrase it a different way. <laughs> Revelation, I think, is partially so obscure is because God is telling us what's to come without straight up telling us how it's going to go down because you don't reveal your battle plans to the enemy, right? Tell me that you're God and you're coming back to earth without telling me that you're God (laughs) and coming back to earth. Essentially, if God wrote down in Revelation, here's exactly how I'm going to do it, plan A through Z, then... Satan would be like, okay, I'm going to get ready to be on the defenses for all those things. But like what we see in the gospel is part of the reason that the prophets were so obscure about who Jesus was and what he was going to do and why no one really caught on to him because they're like, how does this line up with the scriptures? It's because God wanted it to be vague because Satan had to kill Jesus. Like Mm -hmm. Satan enters into Judas, kills Jesus. Paul says... If the powers that be, you know, the spiritual realm is essentially what he's saying. 
If they knew what they were doing when they killed Jesus, they would have never have done it. So it's like, if God in the Old Testament prophets was like, sending my son, Satan's going to kill him. What is Satan never going to do? Yeah, right. <laughs> He's never going to kill him. So Revelation would be the same thing. It's like, Satan's got free will. His kingdom's got free will. Humanity's got free will. Here's what I'm going to do, but I'm going to say it vaguely, and it's going to make sense after you know, mm-hmm. like it sounds weird to people, but there's one day where we will read Revelation and be like, oh, now I get it. Which is why I think people are fools when they're like, I have all of Revelation figured out. I'm like, shut up. Like, are you God? Like, people didn't even understand Jesus till he was resurrected again and went up to his disciples and was like, all right, let me explain what happened because I know it's confusing. <laughs> now, when I read that Jesus was going to pull a sword out of his mouth, <laughs> I wasn't expecting for him to like legitimately just barf out himself <laughs> and then synchronize dance around say is that kind of like what <laughs> the realization yeah well yeah yeah no. if you're taking it straight literally there's plenty of the prophets you're supposed to understand ahead of time but there's also a lot of the prophets where Jesus himself was clear in the resurrection yeah let me explain this to you starting with Moses all the way till now cuz you're not going to get it otherwise you know that's going to be the same with Revelation. It's like God did not tell us everything because we all have free will and it would mess it would it would do it would do something, right? Satan would not have killed Jesus if he knew the first time. And so God just says it vaguely and it will make sense after when we all enter into the resurrection. Jesus is like, "Let me tell you what I did and how this all makes sense." We're like, "Oh, that's crazy. I didn't see that, you know." So anyone who understands resurrection now, or revelation now, I'm like, no, you completely missed the point. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but all that being said, this was all generated out of Loki, which is one of, there's always good sci-fi on free will. Sometimes it's done well, sometimes it's not. Um, this one paints an interesting picture of yeah, trying to say, is it all determined, is it not? And they deal with both, you know, even at the end of it this ultimate he who remains he who remains guy like he's like oh we just passed the threshold i knew everything that would happen up to this point i have no idea where it goes from here you know it's like uh they they're dealing with the conversation of free will even in the midst of saying everything was predestined so Mm -hmm. far type thing so yeah i mean when it comes to the end of loki and this idea of a timeline like being split in this multiverse coming off of what was originally a um, considered the sacred timeline this the answer to the question of like free will and and uh, being uh, determined is kind of given as a yes both in the show mm-hmm. um, yes there is still this like timeline this circular pattern in the Marvel universe. But now there's branches to that universe where people are making different decisions and stepping out of their originally predestined pathways or known logistics. So it really, in a different way, in a different idea of how a universe would exist, has the same answer to whether or not we can make decisions versus if we are just vessels for a god. 
And the way they picture it at the end is like one ring of time. And at the end, when it starts to like spread out in all different directions, like that's a good example of how I picture God's omniscience is like mm-hmm. he still sees the whole thing. You know? yeah. And it's not like he's not omniscient. He's actually more omniscient and smarter than we thought he was because he doesn't just know one thing. He knows all the pathways and all the things and still is able to impose his will make what happened happen within the framework that he's created and that is the amazing omniscience of god yeah in my opinion is a more extravagant picture of god's omniscience so when everyone's whenever anyone comes up to me and they're like oh you you think very little of god you think he's dumb i'm like i think he's knows way more than you think he knows <laughs> you think he knows one book i think he knows the whole library you know uh yeah so that that would be me uh i will end with one disclaimer because this is um this is one part in the show where i was like yeah this question always ends up being asked you know sylvie with her own life if everything is predestined then like you killed my family and hurt me in these extravagant ways and blew up my planet uh you did that and like, you know, you, you've hurt me and villainized. Like, I she, mean, she's right if it's predetermined. Yes. And that, <laughs> and that is the difficulty with a lot of people in their view of omniscience of God. Yeah. Is that because people so often think of God as like he's only written the book one way. Well, that means that he did everything that happened to me. Yep. And therefore takes on all these horrible things that have happened. And it's not that God can't uh, work within the bad things or that there isn't moments where he does bring judgment. That does happen. But the idea that he's crafted every last thing that happens to us and done it intentionally and all that, like, no, that's literally the story of the Bible is that humans have free will they're made in God's image and they're powerful beings for that mm-hmm. reason. They're given dominion over the earth and humans are going to exert their free will and dominion and power over each other and ruin each other's lives. Like they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. But they were granted power and now they're abusing it. And so um, when someone's like, I've heard the story a million times, testimonies on stage where people are like, uh, God allowed me to be molested or raped or something like that. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not the story. That's not how it goes. A human with power, just like you have power, exerted their authority in a satanic way over you, in a sinful way over you. What the Bible says is God can make all things work together for our good. So, yes, you went through that, and now you've helped a lot of other people who went through the same thing. That's God taking a horrible thing that sin did to you and redeeming even that for the sake of telling a better story and healing your life. Yeah. That's what God does. The idea that God made that happen to you so that you could help other people, absolutely not. That's not how it works. And that's not judgment either. You know, yeah. Judgment in the Bible is not painted in like this kind of sadistic type way so god is is all good uh there's there's no other way to describe it other than he is literally 
goodness. The sin is considered the opposite of God, right? Mm. So like it's anti-God. God is goodness. There are times where he lets people over to like sin and when he calls down judgments and stuff like that, it's generally a almost a washing. It's almost like giving you over of, yeah. to um, life without him. And we've described, you know, in the past of like the the people talk about like the lake of fire and what hell would look like and there's the potentiality of it being this like eternal like fire that like burns out existence and cleanses because fire is considered like a cleansing thing um it's it's to literally take away whatever was there to make sure that it no longer exists and to make sin leave the world you you have to get rid of it you have to get rid of all that exists alongside it and wants sin it, it just it makes sense to to me that god is all good he's trying to make sure that there is only good and that humans as many humans as he possibly can he's waiting so long he wants as many of us that can, that can and that he sees having whatever he can see i'm not god um he sees that. He sees the end of end where we don't have to live in this sin, this eternity that we don't have to live in sin. That's that's good. That's yeah. goodness. Never in there was God like, well, I did this evil thing so that we could have good later. It's all good. It's it's a cleansing, not a like purging. Hmm. And he has the capabilities to even take the bad stuff that Satan has done and turn it to good. Yeah. And Jesus is the ultimate example. Satan had a bad plan to kill Jesus on the cross, and God turned that to be the most ultimate good of all time. In that particular case, that was supposed to happen because mm -hmm. it's the crux of everything, God giving himself over uh, for the sake of sin. But the idea that like you have gone through horrible atrocities because God's just like, I only wrote the book this way and I want your friend to do bad things to you. That's not the picture of God that the Bible paints. And it would, it would slap us in the face for preaching something that devious, you know. Mm -hmm. God's judgments usually are just like, handing you over to the natural flow of the way that the world works is essentially like him removing himself you know so like if god holds all the waters back from falling through the firmament yeah. then the flood was essentially god just taking the gate off it's like letting the world crash its own way it's god re removing his hands so anyways when you go through things um don't think that God has set that up. That's not the picture the Bible paints. Nor is it the idea that um, uh, the horrible things that happen to us, God will still work in that to redeem it, to make it have uh, come for good in the end. But it's not that God has set it up that way. We don't always have a glimpse into the heavenlies to know all the things that are going on. And sometimes it's confusing when we do. But like Tyler said, God is good. He loves us, mm -hmm. and uh, he's not out to, to just get us and destroy us. He longs for all to be saved, even if at the same time it's his choice as to <laughs> who gets saved. So, with that being said, this has been a 
interesting, longer episode. Yeah. But I knew that there's just a lot to say. Loki gave us a lot to go off of. Oh, for sure. Uh, and we'll see where season two takes it. In the meantime, Tyler's famous last words of the day. Manhasset, Phi Gonnet.